Welcome to Any Given Friday, the official podcast of Lake Country Sports. Uh, it's a very, very jam-packed episode this week. This is our final episode of Season 2, and we're glad you decided to join us. My name is Justin Hubbard. I'm the sports editor of Lake Oconee News. With me, as always, is Brandon Bush of the Eat to Messenger, and uh, we'll exchange pleasantries later because we got a lot of stuff that we need to get to. And Brandon, uh, I hear there is a certain Putnam County athlete who is uh, college-bound. I'll let you catch us up on that uh, with a, a, a War Eagle football player. That's right. Uh, Zach Waller, who played running back for the Putnam County War Eagles, he signed to play at Hiram College on Monday. Um, Hiram College is located in Ohio. At least I think that's the correct Hiram College. It's the only one I could find. But, um, yeah, this is absolutely deserved. I think that Zach Waller, um, in the two years that I have covered Putnam County High School football, Zach Waller has definitely been one of the highlights of this War Eagles offense. Um, even though... On the offensive side of the ball, Putnam's had its uh, problems with the offensive line and really getting a good running game going because they haven't been getting a lot of push. Despite all that, Zach Waller has um, definitely been one of the highlights of this team. Uh, This past year in their upset victory over Social Circle, I specifically remember he had uh, four rushing touchdowns, close to 200 yards, just an absolutely incredible performance. And again, I call that an upset because Social Circle um, was, uh, I believe, 6-3, six 6-4 and, three, six and four coming into that game, whereas Putnam County was only 1-4, 1-5, like that. So um, it was a big night for uh, Putnam County, and uh, Zach Waller absolutely made it happen. So I think this is, um, this is a great thing to see. Putnam County has been, I think, um, producing collegiate level talent just very quietly. You haven't been able to see it on the scoreboard or in the record books a lot, but there are a lot of really talented athletes coming through Putnam County and um, I'm really glad to see Zach going off to play at the next level. So, congratulations Zach. Um, Very well deserved there. Very cool. Alright, well there's a lot going on in uh, Morgan County and also in uh, Greensboro with Lake Cody Academy. So, uh, Justin, why don't you get us started off with, with that? Um, first, uh, we have a um, coaching change for Morgan County girls basketball. So tell us about that. Yeah, hold tight. I got a lot to talk about. Morgan County's girls basketball team found out uh, about a month ago or so that Josh Reeves, the longtime head coach, was leaving. And on Wednesday, just a few hours before we met up to record this show, uh, we found out that his replacement has been officially named. We got a press release from. Morgan Athletic Director Doug Connolly announcing that Timothy Roop is going to be the Lady Dogs' new head coach. Uh, if that name sounds familiar, it should because Roop, uh, for the last two years, has served as an assistant softball coach with uh, head coach Jason McBay and actually up under Josh Reeves as an assistant coach with the basketball team. So they promoted from within after uh, what I would imagine was a, a, a pretty challenging coaching search trying to find somebody who uh, could take over this championship program. And they decided that Root was the right guy to take over the reins. Just a really, really quick bio of him. His last coaching stop was at Social Circle High School. Uh, He actually led the girls' basketball program to a winning season and a state playoff appearance after a uh, six-year drought. So he had some some good results there. Before that, he coached at Eastside High School and Lowndes High School. So he's had a, a good bit of experience. This will be the first time 
been a head coach at Morgan County, but uh, they've got their man, and uh, I haven't done my interview with him yet, but I am scheduled to talk with him, and my plan is to have a full story about this in next week's Laker Coney News. So for more details, go to check go check that out next week when it comes out. But uh, congrats to Coach Roop. I've gotten to know him the last couple of years. He's a good guy, and I'm excited to see him lead this program. Well, Brandon, we talked last week there was one high school soccer team left standing in Lake Country, and it was LOA's boys. They were going to take on GMC Prep for the state championship down at Mercer University. We put out our show a day early so I could get down there, and uh, we had a full, legit preview. And, man, this was going to be a bar burner from the start. A couple of really, really talented teams. They match up well against each other. They played a close game earlier this season, which LOA lost uh, 2-1, I believe. And unfortunately for the Titans, history repeated itself. LOA is now 0-5, head-to-head all-time against GMC. The Bulldogs pulled off a 2-1, ironically, overtime victory. Uh, It was, as I described in my column this week, Brandon, LOA played as close to perfect as you could have ever hoped to see. John Clay Wofford, who has been a scoring machine all season, got him on the board with with just nine minutes run off the clock in the first half. Uh, seemed like LOA had full control. The defense was exceptional. They were uh, sterling, just about any any superlative word you could think to describe them. That's exactly how they played. Offense struggled at times, but that's more of a credit to GNC's defense. Uh, again, a couple of really, really strong teams uh, were playing each other. But, unfortunately for the Titans, they switched to a more defensive-focused attack in the second half, late in the second half, I should say, and that took out some of their offensive aggression. And because of that, the ball really maintained uh, possession on Elway's side of the field, and GMC snuck a goal in with 4.09 left in the game and sent it to overtime eventually and finally won the game on a goal with about 9.45 left in the overtime period, so excruciating loss is the best thing I could use to describe it. LOA, in my humble opinion, should have won this game. They had it uh, just for whatever reason, had a couple of huge uh, critical breakdowns in the, in the latter stages. Uh, it's a tough, tough finish to a really good year. They went 13-8-1. and uh, It's not the sexiest record in the world, but they played some really tough competition. If they hadn't done that, then my estimation is they probably would not have even played for that state championship. But uh, they won their first region title ever and had by far their best season at the varsity level. After graduation this Thursday night, LOA is going to be without the services of seniors Tyler Weir, Kyle Morris, Peyton Walker, David McClendon, and Ashton Evans. All those guys are really good and uh, certainly, they're going to leave behind big shoes to fill. But the good thing is for the Titans, uh, even though that was a very, very hard loss to take, they are returning most of their core next year. Uh, no doubt in my mind they'll be back. They're, they're going to probably repeat as region champs. I'd be surprised if they didn't. Uh, and and I, I feel like they're going to have another deep playoff run in the tank, and hopefully they'll be able to pull it off. But uh, as of today, man, it's a lot, a lot of – Hanging heads over the season, uh, over the finish of the season, I should say. Uh, just a really tough way to end it out. Well, that just about does it for Lake Country soccer this year. It was a pretty incredible season. I know Brandon and I both had soccer teams make deep playoff runs, and uh, we were hoping everything would work out a little bit better, but uh, just wasn't the case this season. But 
Uh, no doubt in my mind that all of our teams are going to be back strong again next year. With that said, this week is, of course, graduation. By the way, congratulations to all of our graduates. Uh, but with the last week of the school year, for some reason, amid everything else that's going on, the GHSA decided this would be a nice week to finish out the golf season. Uh, and we got some mixed results across Lake Country, capped off by a, a pretty remarkable win. I'll get there in just a moment. I'll save that for last. But I'll start with Morgan County's two golf teams. The boys finished sixth in the state uh, for a total of 107 above par. Landed Breedlove was the highest individual finisher. He placed 15th, 17 above par for a total of 161 across the two rounds. Bailey Smith was not too far behind, tied for 22nd. He was 21 above par, 165 total. Noah Brown was tied for 35th, 31 above par, and shot a 175 total. Jared Sanders tied for 42nd, 38 above par, and shot 182 across the two rounds. And finally, Barrett Adams finished 52nd, 67 above par for a total of 211. So pretty pretty strong finish to the year for the Bulldogs. Sixth place in the state ain't too shabby at all, especially when you look across uh, Class AAA. Uh, Brandon United encountered AAA a few times the last few years, especially me. Uh, they're, they're pretty good across all athletics, so not a bad finish. Uh, on the other hand, Morgan County's girls soccer team finished fifth. Uh, overall shot 159 as a team. Madison Wally tied for sixth uh, at 28 over par. She shot 172 across two rounds. Uh, Maitland Stapp finished 30th, 65 above par for a total of 209. Paige Carroll tied for 31st at 66 over par, total of 210. And finally, Haley Patterson finished 48, 98 above par for a total of 242. So, so congrats to the Morgan golf teams for their top 10 finishes. Pretty strong way to finish out the season. In addition to Morgan County, LOA sent both of its golf teams to the state championships as well. Uh, I say golf teams, I should clarify. The boys uh, did not compete as a team. Ryan Smith and Rylan Black competed as individuals. Ryan Smith, as I mentioned, I think last week came in uh, trying to defend his individual state championship from last year. Fell a little bit short of that goal. He finished tied for fifth, still not bad at all. Uh, 12 strokes above par. He shot 156 across the two days. So uh, a good follow-up to last year's title win. And Black was not too far behind. He finished eighth. 16 above par, so just four strokes behind Smith for a total of 160. So really strong effort by the two of them. Those are two individual top ten finishes and a nice way to cap off their year as well. Um, certainly we're hoping that LOA's uh, boys would get another championship, but uh, it just wasn't meant to be. Really strong finish regardless. And finally, Brandon, LOA has its second, or I guess technically third and fourth um State championships. LA's girls golf team, which as I mentioned last week, is comprised of Katie and Kelly Sheck, a couple of sisters, finished first in Class A's uh, girls tournament. Uh, overall, they shot plus 11, 299 total. So a really, really strong performance. They defeated Gordon Lee by 19 strokes. Now, I don't know a whole lot about golf, but I know 19 strokes is a pretty significant gap. So ironically, last year, Katie Sheck and uh, then-senior Emma McCord won the team championship also over Gordon Lee by 20 strokes. So, uh, LOA has got Gordon Lee's number in girls' golf. 
Uh, Katie Sheck finished first as an individual, so that's another championship to her resume. Uh, she followed up last year's uh, individual title that uh, she won in the state championship. She was one below par and shot 143 across the two rounds. And uh, Kelly Sheck was uh, in fourth place, 12 above par for a total of 156. And uh, have not had the chance to get those stories together. Again, we're recording a little bit early this week. And, uh, but I can tell you I am planning to have a full story about this in next week's edition of Lake Oconee News. So we'll have a lot more details there. Congratulations to the Shecks and to all of our golf teams for their strong finishes this year. All right, well, that's going to wrap up uh, our last bout of local sports for this season on Any Given Friday. Uh, it's been a really fun year. Brandon and I both have been extremely busy since August, and uh, we got a little break coming up. But uh, certainly this has been a, a very fun school year to be covering sports here in Lake Country. But now it's that time of the podcast where we uh, go outside the bounds of Green Morgan and Putnam and talk about some college and professional athletics. And to do that, we're going to welcome one last time for this season, Will Petty, the editor of the Baldwin Bulletin. And, uh, y'all, let's talk about the NBA playoffs. Oh, I see how you're skipping it before I can say anything about GMC. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Globe. Yeah. Hey, all I'm saying is there was one Lake Country team that did win it all, and uh, Baldwin County is the Lake Country. It's on our side when you enter it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we did it. Yes. Yes, GMC's boys soccer team, as I mentioned, defeated LOA. You're welcome for your pictures from that game, oh, yeah, by the way. Much. All right, well, let's get back to it. The NBA playoffs are really, really starting to reach their end. We are through the Western Conference Finals already because, as I've mentioned numerous times, Golden State is the baddest team in the land. Uh, but Milwaukee and Toronto are currently embroiled in a very tough series. As of this recording on Wednesday afternoon, it is two to two. So I gotta ask, after what we've seen from Golden State and out of what we've seen from Milwaukee and Toronto, do either of those teams stand a chance against the Warriors this year? You know, no. And the reason why is not because of a difference in talent. It's just the fact that Milwaukee and Toronto are gonna keep playing each other, gonna keep on having game after game while you know, all the Golden State team just sits and waits. So, you know, they're, you know, re-energizing. They're, you know, catching a little bit of a break before they go to the big game. So, I think for that reason, I mean, right now, all the advantage is to Golden State because they just have to wait. Yeah, it's, um, you would never, you would never think that going to the season with the Warriors kind of having some problems, kind of being a little dysfunctional, um, but they got it together in time for the playoffs. But you would never think that without Kevin Durant, without DeMarcus Cousins, and without Andre Iguodala, that this team would stand a chance. But um, it's all about the Splash Brothers. And they just completely ran over a what I thought was a really good Trailblazers team, you know. And it's, it's, it's really surprising. So, you know, I'm still... I'm still uh, betting on a Bucks Warriors finals. Um, I know the series has been really back and forth, but I think the Bucks are gonna they're gonna end up um, winning the series. Um, but yeah, I I don't I don't I don't think it's really I don't think there's any really question at this point. I think the Warriors probably win again this year. 
Did you say you never would have thought Golden State would be here? Come on. No, I, I never. You never. I said you. I. I said you never would have thought they'd be here, missing the people they're missing. Come on, come on. Demarcus Cousins was not part of this team a few years ago. KD was not part of this team a few years ago. Iguodala was. I gotta give you that one. But they won without two of those three guys in the past. They could do it again. And the only, mind you, the only person who beat them without those guys was supposedly the greatest NBA player of all time. Listen, this is not a surprise. I've told y'all time and again, time and again, time and again, Golden State always finds a way. Steph Curry is the heart and soul of this team. When the chips are down, he could come through. He's the most underrated player in the NBA right now. There are so many things he can do and take over a game. We saw it against Houston. We've seen it against Portland. He knows how to get it done. He's got the it factor, as they say. Plus, he's got, oh, yeah, Clay Thompson over there helping him. And, I mean, they're just such a talented team that when they added to it, that's what made everybody upset because they were so good before. They're even better now with all the, the free agent additions. But I don't care who they've got injured. Unless it's Steph Curry, they always have a chance. And I'm always going to pick them. So, uh, but that said, uh, I think I mentioned last week I'm picking Toronto to win the East, but it doesn't matter. Neither of these teams can handle Golden State. I think, uh, to your point, Will, I think it could be to the detriment of the Warriors that they're having to sit around and wait. We see that in every sport just about those teams that sweep early. They have a little bit of a lagging uh, performance coming out of that. But uh, regardless, when, the, when, when everything is at stake, I'm always picking the Warriors. Um, if nothing else, then my hope for this rest of the season right now is that the Bucks do move on um, <laughs> to to the NBA Finals because I don't want that I don't want that snake Kawhi Leonard being anywhere close to winning a championship. See, I, I want Drake to wear uh, Milwaukee jerseys the whole time. <laughs> that way, uh, Trogus, and then we can have him wear the Warriors. And- I don't, I don't let's, know. See that, let's see if that curse is real. If there's one team that can break the Drake curse, it's Golden State. You know, this this would be the time to test it out once and for all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if they if they do lose, though, there's something to it. Though. Yeah, this is this is creepier than the Madden curse at this yeah. point. Yeah, if they do lose, we got we got to ban Drake from sports. <laughs> all right, well, we we all love our football around here, and that's what we're going to talk about the rest of this show. Uh, a very appropriate way to close out this season. Let's talk about the NFL first. Uh, I can never pronounce his name, but King Kong Sue, however you want to pronounce it. The Commodore. There you go. He is now a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Do you guys think he's going to be a good fit down there? Well, I mean, he does like to plunder. I'll I'll, I'll say this. and Sue, I think that's how you say it. I don't know. That sounds good to me. I don't know. Um, If you even think... If you even think <laughs> about stepping on Matt Ryan's hand or hitting him late or doing this other crap you did when you were at the Lions uh, those few seasons ago, we're going to have a freaking problem, okay? I know that 90% of the reason why you're perceived as a good player is because you're dirty. Like, I, I understand that, but, like, don't don't you even think about doing it. D- don't you even try. <laughs> At this point, though, that's the only way Tampa's going to stand a chance, or should stand a chance. Let me rephrase that. These are the Falcons we're talking about. That's the only way Tampa Bay should stand a chance against Atlanta is if they try to kill Matt, Matt Ryan. And 
They got the right guy to do it. We all know his history. Heck of a player, though, uh, in all seriousness. This is by far the best coach he's ever played for in Bruce Arians, and I'm excited to see what he could possibly draw out of him. And uh, I think it'll it'll be a good fit, but he, he's going to be a great player on a bad team, and uh, that sucks for him because he's, in my opinion, off the – or I guess it's technically on the field. All his extracurriculars, I'll put it that way, aside, he is one of the best players at his position of the last, what, 10 years or so. So I hate to see him go to a non-competitor, but – I don't know. He could he could do some good things in Tampa. I wonder what happens when you put um, two scumbags like him and Jameis Winston on the same team. Well, Sue is changing teams, but there is one uh, wide receiver who is staying put. Julian Edelman uh, has been extended by the Patriots for two more years. What do you guys think about them locking him in for the foreseeable future? Well, I mean, it's, it's the Patriots. I mean, Tom Brady can make any – Mediocre white position player look good. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I mean, I guess. I, 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 in all seriousness, I guess it's. I guess it's a good move for the Patriots. I mean, Julian Edelman was one of maybe two people to actually do anything in the Super Bowl last year, and and won MVP. So I, I guess it's a good signing. You know. I agree, and plus it keeps the the two of them paired up for. Probably the, the rest of Tom Brady's career. Yeah. And he has used Edelman as a weapon the entire time they've been together. Smart move, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good call. Um, I think my honest belief is that the Patriots dynasty is really closer to done than, you know, still going on. I think we got a few more years of it. And God, I think it's going to be kind of like the last, uh, last ride, so to speak. You know, as, as, as much as I'm ready for the Tom Brady era to end, um, you know, for good reason, I forgot to mention something when we talked about the draft. Um, I actually, part of me wants Tom Brady to stay longer because I, I don't want to see that, that beautiful man that played in Auburn for a few years to be the new Patriots quarterback. We'll see. I, I think uh, I think we see a few more years of Tom Brady that way. Uh Daniel Jones does not become the face of the of the league here. <laughs> I don't think we'll have to worry about that for quite a while. He 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 won't even be the face of the Giants. Who are we kidding? But uh, you know, one thing that I do want to talk about while we're still talking about football that we haven't brought up, I've seen a lot of speculation that the Falcons could actually do a lot this year, uh, even <laughs> as far as. Going to the NFC Championship. What? Uh, look, I'm. That look, is fake news. Look, I'm not. Okay, I understand we were really injured last year, but you know, I'm not. I'm, I'm done overhyping teams. All right, I <laughs> overhyped Auburn a couple times. They fell flat. I overhyped the Falcons. I just want to see the Falcons be better than they were last year. I just want to see um, the offense working better. I think that's going to happen because we have we, – we did good in the draft with our offensive line. We got some more depth on defense. Um, you know, we got the best receiving core in in the country. Like, don't, don't argue with me on that. Um, and – Well, I can't anymore anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think you're right. Actually, I was going to argue, but you think about it, you got Ridley and Julio. Yeah, 
And um, it's a new, it's a new, yeah. And also, I think it was a really um, significant move bringing back Dirk Cutter. Um, he was the Falcons' up offensive coordinator for the first, I think, five or six seasons that Matt Ryan was with the Falcons, and of course, he was he had a lot of success in those first couple of years. So I think that's going to be a big deal. I think that's going to be a lot of chemistry. But all that being said, you know, I've learned to stop overhyping teams in um, the in, before the season begins. So. I just want to wait and see what happens with the Falcons. You know, one thing I will say is if the Falcons don't finish at least second in FC South, that's a failure of a year. I mean, the Buccaneers are garbage. The Panthers are on their last leg right now. You know, they got McCaffrey. That's about it. I don't. I mean, Cam Newton's kind of... Cam Newton's done, though, I think. Yeah. Well, don't forget the quarterback they drafted to back up Cam Newton. They're not... They won't be hurting, in my opinion, if, if they have to do something with QB1. Well, I mean, I think Will Greer, you know, he'll be good in the future, but I don't know about this year. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I just think, you know, it's it's the Saints and the Falcons, you know, region to win. The other two are kind of going to fight for it, but these two, they kind of, they can make their own trail and get there. Yeah. But, um, you know... As someone who doesn't like the Falcons, I gotta say I think that, in all honesty, if they don't make the playoffs, they are underselling themselves this year. AFC Championship, I don't know. I think that's a bold statement. Yeah, but uh, I will say they at least could get a wild card. Jumping off of that, since we're not gonna be together for uh, the rest of the off season, we got a long way before kickoff. What is one thing you want to see out of your favorite NFL team the rest of the off season, Brandon? You are the resident Falcons fans. What do you Falcons fan? I should say. What do you want to see the Dirty Birds do between now and uh, I guess July or August? Well, I want to see the 2016 um, number one ranked offense again. Um, I think we have a good chance to do that again. Um, as, as I was just talking about, we did great in the draft. I think we beat up our line. We have a offensive coordinator who knows what he's doing and is also. Has, also has chemistry with Matt Ryan. Um, I, I want to see our offensive line get a lot more push, and I want to see um, Matt Ryan return to form for that MVP season. I do think all that's very capable. You know, they just got to go out and get it done. Um, I, I, I want to see our defense stay healthy. We did hire a new strength and conditioning coach, so hopefully we'll be doing with less injuries next year. Um, so... I, I, I basically want to see the Falcons basically overcome all the stupid things that were totally avoidable last year, well, except injuries. I, I want to see them bounce back from that and have, you know, at least make it to the playoffs and have a good season. And I also want somebody to tear Drew Brees' ACL. God. <laughs> wow, okay. Uh, Will, what about your Steelers? What do you want to see out of them this offseason? Well, I want to see them actually play at Reynolds again and let me know about it so I can be there, you know. <laughs> I, I, I don't need to write a story about it. I don't need to interview anybody. I just want to watch my team play. You're going to let me do that, right? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> y'all, y'all, y'all can do whatever. I just want to watch my team live. Um, but no, in all seriousness, I just want to make, see them eliminate all the drama, you know, Bell and Brown caused a lot of issues with us last year. I just kind of want to see them move on from that, kind of unite as a team and work together. Um, you know, I'm not, I don't really have high hopes for Pittsburgh this year. I think that, uh, you know, honestly, 
you know, kind of like how I said, the Falcons are pretty much they got a chance to win the AFC South. I think with the AFC North, I mean, the Browns are kind of the front runner right now, in my opinion. And uh, I think that for the Steelers, they need to get back to basics and you know make this issue with Bell and Brown be a problem for one season and not a problem that we recover from you know eight seasons later. So really, that's my big thing. Um, and you know, time will tell how that works out. And as for my Dallas Cowboys, I know there's a lot of talk about the upcoming contract negotiations between Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott and Amari Cooper. I don't know what the timeline for those looks like, but if they can get it done this offseason, by all means, go ahead and do it. But the biggest thing for me is I, I want them to eliminate the off-field distractions. I don't know if y'all saw this, but uh, Zeke was at some kind of a festival this past weekend and had to be detained by the security there. He There's a very clear shot video of it. He's uh, getting into an argument with some security guard or some random person, and he kind of walks over to the point that the guy had to or he fell down because he was, he was a big freaking dude, so he pushed him down. Uh, he was not arrested, but he, we know his history, his past uh, issues with stuff like that with the NFL. I defended him during all that, and I will still defend him, but it's a bad look. you got to stay out of trouble. They don't need that. This could be the defining year for this era of the Cowboys. I don't want to see them cost themselves by having – one or more of their best players getting possibly suspended over stupid crap like this. So that's my big thing. Just stay out of trouble. Do you want two or three more years of Jason Garrett? That's the question. No. <laughs> I wanted Jason Garrett fired in 2010. See, here's my dream scenario. I want Gus Malzahn to go to the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, my God. I want Jason oh, Garrett God. to go to the Auburn Tigers. <laughs> I, can do, I can do without that. Oh man! Don't don't. I don't, think, I don't think the gust bus has enough. It's <laughs> <laughs> not enough gas to make it yeah. to to the Arlington. <laughs> oh my goodness, Jerry! If you're listening, just ignore everything Will Petty just said. <laughs> All right, well, Will brought it up, but we love our college football around here too. So let's break down the college side of things really quick. I don't know if y'all heard about this, but DeAndre Francois, who was the quarterback of Florida State uh, is a graduate transfer now at Florida Atlantic with Mr. Lane Kiffin. Uh, what are your reactions to this? He's leaving an ACC, formerly an ACC powerhouse for the up-and-coming FAU team. I guess he wants to learn how to do a bubble screen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it doesn't look like there's a lot going for him at Florida State. It doesn't look like there's a lot going for anyone at Florida State. They're kind of trash right now. But, um, you know... Lane Kiffin's a good coach, and FAU, they're, I guess for a school their size, they've been pretty impressive lately, so, you know, I, I guess I guess it's a good fit. Just, you know, go, going from Florida State to FAU, you know, that's a little bit of a downgrade, but maybe, maybe you know, maybe it'll work out for him. Or, well, maybe he likes the beach, you know. Boca Raton is step up to Tallahassee in terms of how cities go. But, yeah. But could you imagine this happening even 10 years ago, no. a top-level quarterback leaving, like I said, a former ACC powerhouse for FAU. Yeah. I mean, this is well, this you, is pretty unique. Well, did you expect, you know, Kelly Bryant to try to leave Clemson from Missouri? Yeah, yeah. I mean, college football is definitely changing, but I can honestly, always, you cannot blame Francois one bit because 
Yeah, he's a good player, but he was on his back probably 90% of his, his time at Florida State because they had no offensive line. I don't know what happened with, with um, Jimbo's recruiting, but it was atrocious the last several years. He lost a whole season to an ACL tear. Yeah, didn't because he had no protection. Yeah. yeah. So uh, kudos to him for probably making a good decision for his future. I don't know that it's going to end up getting into the NFL. I think that ship has probably sailed at this point. But if you're going to resurrect your career, now's the time to do it. And Lane Kiffin's a creative enough coach where it could pay off for him. We're going to see early on if he can uh, do a good job. Because, I mean, I look at how they got to start off with. They got the toughest two games, I think, of anybody for the first start of season in the league. Uh, you know, they're going to start off by traveling to Ohio State. Oh, so the the – Transfer quarterback bowl. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. And then I really hope they beat them. And then that would be fantastic. Uh, and then they get to host, you know, the national champions of 2017, and uh, oh, they they came really close to 2018 oh. too. But uh, UCLA, yes. So I mean, Ohio State and Central Florida, your first two games. I mean, you you got previous up pretty quick. They could beat UCF. Yeah. The the UCF hype train is. It's ending. It's it, over. It's almost as off the rails as the Gus bus. Yeah. But at the same time, look at the rest of their schedule. Uh, it's FAU. They're not playing the best of the best. I mean, they're playing Ball State, uh, Wagner, Charlotte, Middle Tennessee, Marshall, Dominion. I mean, there's no one here outside of those yeah. first two games, except for maybe Southern Mississippi at the end of the season. Yeah. yeah. So he has a chance to show himself. Well, and, you know. Hey, maybe... Um, Maybe Dontre Francois will have a better time than uh, my boy John Franklin III out of Auburn. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. John Franklin III, I wish you never came to Auburn. You should, you, you should have stayed on last chance year where you belonged. All right, well, Will and I and Georgia fans all over the world got a, a great piece of news this week with the news that Zamir White, a.k.a. Zeus, has been officially cleared after tearing his ACL last year. Will, we know the the credentials that he brought with him to college, but now that he's healthy, now that Georgia can utilize him, hopefully this coming season, do you think Georgia's got the best running back group in all of college football now? Well, you know, I think they were already in the top three to begin with, but I think this just, you know, uh, absolutely seals the deal for them. Absolutely no other team is going to come close, especially with the addition of Zeus. Nobody comes close. Totally agree. Because your, your first string, DeAndre Swift. Yeah. Your second string, you know, pick your poison. You got Brian Harrion, who is extremely underrated. You got James Cook, who looked really good last year in a limited role. You got Zeus, possibly. I mean, come on. There's, there's, no, there's no team with a better collection of running backs. Plus, let's not forget the offensive line they're going to be running behind. I mean, that plays a huge factor in it, too. Right. I mean, you got five stars all over the place. You can throw a rocket and hit five stars any time in the game. I mean, I ain't going to say that Swift is the best running back in the NCAA. I won't go that far. Yeah, but, I wouldn't either. But, you know, a lot of these players, our teams with better ones, it's going to be a one-back yeah. show, and he's going to run it the entire game, and, yeah. you know, they're going to get fatigued. Whereas with Swift, he's going to be able to switch out and have one that's nearly as good going in and do the same thing. You know, they're going to switch him out, and I mean, that's what makes Georgia's offense so potent in the run game. I think we're going to see similar use of the tailbacks that we saw. I guess it would have been 2014. You had Todd Gurley there his last year. 
And then behind him, you had Brendan Douglas, who had been around. And then behind him, well, they didn't stay behind him for very long. You had rookies Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle. Yeah. And that's exactly what they did. I know Chubb and Michelle both got injured at different points, and obviously Gurley got injured late, but they expertly subbed them in and out. And at any given time, we've seen Georgia do it since, but that was probably the best that they the best talent they had at one time. But they they just found ways to wear down the opposing defense and didn't cost them, you know, the the fatigue to any one of those guys. I agree with you. I think it's going to be a very exciting thing to watch. The only year. thing I wish is we would have had the offensive line we have now back then. Yeah, because there would have been and the coaching. Well, yeah, <laughs> but I think that would have changed a lot of. Uh, you know, history in Georgia. Yep. I think in Athens, we probably would have saw a uh, title in 2014 if that were the case, if we yep. had the right offensive line in place. But yep. Well, yeah, I think Georgia is going to have a really good offense again this year. That's not looking forward to that playing Auburn, but we'll see what happens. But, um, uh, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how some of these poor and significant teams, like, Tennessee face off against uh, an offense like Georgia this year. Um, you know, as I'm, I'm a Game of Thrones fan, and I kind of oh, I kind of relate with Tennessee right now because um, <laughs> I'm feeling disappointed after eight seasons. Uh, what meme did you get that one from, Brandon? <laughs> from Facebook. For, for the record, I'm okay with how Game of Thrones they did. I just really like that meme a lot. <laughs> Originally shared by yours truly. Yep, I saw yep. that. Uh, but, uh, I'm sorry, as another internet meme says, I'm sorry your dragon show ended poorly. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm, I'm okay with it, you know. I'm okay with it. Could have been better, but I'm okay with it. I, I've never tried to watch the show because everything I see outside looking in just frankly looks dumb to me. It's like, why would you, you know, it, I, I can understand that as much as I can understand somebody being a Florida fan, you know. Well, you know, one thing I'm going to say though about Tennessee though is I think Tennessee could give us fits this year. No. Here's my reason. I, I, I want to hear this. Okay. Cheney is my reason. He's now at Tennessee he knows what Georgia's capable of. He's been there the last few seasons. Pruitt also has history with Georgia. He's got a season under his belt now. So I think you put that into consideration. I'm not saying Tennessee's going to beat Georgia. That's not going to happen. But I would also say, like, it's not going to be the 45-3 to beatdown that we should ever anticipate. I think it's going to be more like a... 35-24, you know, where wow. Georgia's a blow away in the fourth quarter. And the reason why I'm saying it is if there's, you know, they, they know Georgia. They know them. Now, do they have the talent to match up with Georgia? No. That's what I was going to say because I just said you could throw a rock and hit a five-star at Georgia. And if you don't hit a five-star, you're hitting a four-star. Tennessee ain't got that. And that, that makes all the difference. Yeah, their coaching's going to be better. It, again, for the record, Cheney is the reason Georgia did not win the national championship the last two years. But anyway, they, this coaching cannot make up for a lack of talent. We've seen that time and again. The great coaches go to these these teams that just don't have it yet. I I completely disagree. I think I think once again we're going to see a good old Rocky flop in Rocky Flop, Tennessee. 
and Georgia's going to roll. But we'll get there when we get there. I mean, I mean, I hope it. you're right. I'm excited for it. I hope you're right. But I'm going to be right. I'm telling you. But my because goodness. last year the, the, the thought was, okay, this is the worst team Georgia's going to have for the foreseeable future. So if they're beating the brakes off Tennessee with their worst team for the, for the future, what are they going to do this year with the best team they've had probably ever? As far as the overall collection of talent, come on. Don't give those Tennessee fans hope. They, they have none. Just like Auburn, they're going to get the break speed off them. Just like Florida, Dan Mullen can keep talking. By the way, they just lost another four-star player today. Congratulations, <laughs> this Dan. This is transfer country. You Speaking yourself. of internet memes. <laughs> I hate to keep bringing up Game of Thrones, but um, the ending of that show is basically how I feel about being an Auburn fan, especially last season. Um, it could have been way better, but I guess I'm all right with it. <laughs> well, just like Game of Thrones, supposedly, like I said, I've never watched it. It was good once upon a time. Just like Auburn in 2010. Yeah. You can always hang that over my Will's head, because I, I, I don't know when Oklahoma last won, but I've never 2000. seen. Okay, I've never seen my team win a championship. Yeah. And I lived in Norman when it happened. Lucky. Lucky, lucky, lucky. Yeah, we almost got a second one, but, you know, J- Jameis Winston. He's just too good. I guess. But Just too, too good, stealing crab legs. But also, just like Game of Thrones, this season has to come to an end. Yeah. Forget you. I was about to say the same thing. <laughs> yeah, this, this is our last episode of season two. Uh, could be the series finale. Who knows how things go nowadays. Uh, we could not be allowed to come back next season. We don't know. A lot can happen between now and the next couple of months. Uh, but I don't know about y'all, but I've enjoyed it once again, coming down here, shooting the breeze for an hour or so. <laughs> and, and full transparency, it's been a lot longer than that. I had to edit out a ton of crap every week, yeah. especially this week. And is shooting breeze really the right thing to say after all Brandon's talk earlier? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, so you're saying Bounty Gate might be making a comeback. <laughs> yes. How ironic. Well, that's going to wrap us up for this season. We appreciate everybody who listened, all 12 of you. And uh, if, we're, if, we're, if we're back for season three, you can always find us right here on our uh, social media channels. And uh, with that said, we're going to get out of here. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye now.